0: I mean, there are all these rights that people have that you can cancel any timeshare within five days, things like that. One of the most exciting use cases is deleting data online from data brokers. So, this is actually where ChatGPT plugins were working together, where there's a ChatGPT browsing plugin from OpenAI. And I asked it, find all the areas where my data exists. And then the Do Not Pay plugin, once it found it, delete the data from these services. And so you're going to have these AI tools working together and passing like workloads. It can't do everything, but these very simple things, it, it can certainly do. Anything that people are paying lawyers $1,000 an hour for, it can be helpful with. And I think in that TV segment, it said that even the lawyers charging $5,000 to cancel a timeshare, they were just drafting a letter to do that. And even they were scam artists. So it, it's all one big expensive kind of exploitation
1: welcome to geared up i'm andrew edwards i'm john rettinger with no delay that time no not at all i
2: appreciate that john this week we have something a little different
1: interest it's a interesting pertinent topic yeah i mean
2: we've heard i think everyone in the past few months has heard of artificial intelligence we've heard of it prior but it's really come into the mainstream to where the average person uses it in fact ChatGPT became the fastest growing consumer service or product fastest growing in history. It grew to 1 million users faster than any other product we've ever talked about on this show, including things like the iPhone, including things like Instagram, etc. So there's obviously something big happening in the world right now. It's true.
1: Giant, it was just on, uh... Even my parents last night were like, you need to watch 60 Minutes. Have you heard of this Google Bard thing? I was like, yes, <laughs> mom, I've heard of it. So that it's, you know, when, when that generation is, is talking about it, discussing it, I think you know that we've hit sort of critical mass mm-hmm. with something. And you know, AI is everywhere. There are reports of, of AI agents that you can sort of recruit and go out and do things for you. Almost, you know, relatively autonomously. Uh, obviously, you've got ChatGPT, which you can use for a myriad of reasons. And, and those reasons are growing. There's some real interesting use cases for the technology. Yes,
2: and that is what we're going to be discussing today. Correct. That is a perfect intro to bring in our guest, Joshua Browder, the CEO and founder of Do Not Pay. Joshua, how are you doing today?
0: Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So, (laughs) go ahead. We're a big fan of what you're doing. I am looking at Do Not Pay and the list of things that you do. I mean, I have to... My fingers get tired scrolling. Can you, <laughs> can you explain to the audience the elevator pitch of, of what Do Not Pay does and what, they're, what you guys are trying to do?
0: So Do Not Pay, I like to think of it as the world's first robot lawyer. And what that means is it's an AI agent that helps consumers fight back against corporations and governments to save time and money. So getting people out of parking tickets, getting refunds, getting DMV appointments all of the areas where it's just a drain on our lives. And it's trying to level the playing field so that someone can have the same legal power as the most powerful in society.
1: And this would do the work for the person. So if I'm trying to lower my bill on my internet
0: connection, for example,
1: do not pay will actually interface with customer service in the chat for me, correct?
0: That's right. So we have bots that will talk to Comcast on your behalf and negotiate your internet bill. And what's interesting is the bots have gotten a lot better. In the past, Comcast used to offer a $10 discount and the bot would say, "That's great, I'll take it." But now it's saying, "$10 is not enough. I want $100." <laughs> and this is actually blowing my mind that GPT-4 is now pushing back. It's pretty
1: awesome. And I want to give people just a breath of understanding for the things that do not pay can do. I mean, so we're talking stock options, so you know, 803B elections, advanced directive healthcare, Kind of what that is, and they could sort of negotiate for you. Airline flight compensation hacks. So, poor Wi Fi on a Southwest flight, analyze terms of service for you. If you really want to know what's inside of TikTok's terms of service, you want to know what's in Facebook's TOS, it can analyze it for you, which is probably a topic I think we should have and talk about. It can talk to animal control for you. It can even annul your marriage if you'd like. It can appeal banned accounts, appeal parking tickets in Eddie City, appeal toll booth tickets, speeding tickets. Help you get a birth certificate, breach of contract, burner cards, break your leases, get around phone verification type things, cancel subscription services, cancel timeshares, cancel anything, car lease negotiation. I mean, this, like I said, when I had to keep scrolling, the use cases here are endless. This is imagine like a just a tip of the iceberg sense of what the technology is going to be capable of.
0: Yeah, and basically it's software understanding the rules of the world and translating that to get things done for you. If you think about canceling a gym membership, some of these gyms require you to send a signed legal letter like Planet Fitness. AI will just do that in a second and send it off. And so it saves people time and money.
1: Yeah, I had to cancel my LA
2: Fitness and it took two days to get that done. When (laughs) you mentioned canceling timeshares, I was like, what? Like that's almost that's virtually impossible to do. So that's interesting. Obviously starting a company like this there had to be some sort of impetus. What's the story there? I seem to remember like the Do Not Pay app has been on my phone. I feel like for like 7 years or something. Like I've been using this service for a very long time, not regularly, but using it when need when a situation would arise. But I seem to remember parking tickets in particular being a major focus at least at the beginning if I'm not mistaken.
0: That's right. So as you can tell from my accent, I'm originally from England. I moved seven years ago to study here in America, and I'll use the excuse that the Americans drive on the other side of the road, but I got all of these expensive parking tickets, probably because I was a terrible driver. (laughs) And I learned something, which is if you know the right things to say, you can get out of your tickets. And so I started Do Not Pay just to help my family and friends, but it turned out everyone hates parking tickets and it went viral. (laughs) And I've been working on it ever since.
1: Joshua, what's your background? How did you get here?
0: It was always my dream to study at Stanford. I taught myself iPhone app development using their videos. And so I thought if this is what the YouTube videos are like, one could only imagine what this university is like. So I studied there and I've never worked on anything else since Do Not Pay since then.
2: So this started while you were in college.
0: That's right. And there was this rumor that I was the guy who could get people out of tickets. And so Everyone was coming out of the woodwork, sending me iMessages, sending me Facebook messages, sometimes not even saying anything, just pictures of their tickets. And I was spending all this time copying and pasting documents in Microsoft Word. And I thought, this should be an app. And that's how I got started.
2: Okay. So you started with parking tickets, hence the name Do Not Pay, which is Do Not Pay Your Parking Ticket. Use this service instead. We'll get you out of it. And as John just mentioned a couple minutes ago, there seemed to be hundreds of of use cases now. So can you kind of talk about the the evolution of the service from yeah. just something that can help you get out of parking tickets? Not just because that's actually very convenient, but how it grew and how you added all these other services over time. I think another major one was, if I remember right, there's like the free trials where you would kind of give people like a temporary card number and temporary email address where they can sign up for let's say a free trial of netflix or something without worrying about forgetting to cancel it getting charged later etc
0: so when i launched do not pay it went to the front page of reddit and immediately went viral and people didn't know that it was just some college student building this they thought <laughs> it was a lawyer and so they began writing in to customer support saying can you help me with comcast or can <clears throat> you help me cancel my subscriptions?" and I couldn't reply to them individually because I had no idea, but that really made me realize that this idea is bigger than just tickets. What if people could have a robot lawyer to fight for all of their consumer rights? And as you mentioned, it took seven years of building these products one by one to finally get to where we are today.
1: Joshua, I did want to ask you, because I know this is a question that we're going to get. You've used the term now robot lawyer a few times here. That's caused some issues with with you guys. And there's currently a class action lawsuit in regards to that. Can you... Talk about that a little bit about what's going on or the intent versus how it was interpreted or anything that you can, you can sort of share to sort of address that. I know that's going to be the question for people.
0: Yeah. So to practice law in the United States as a human being, you have to take all these tests and get all these licenses. And that's why the law is so expensive. They keep the prices high. Mm-hmm. And so with technology doing it very cheaply, do not pay costs 18 bucks rather than thousand dollars an hour it's a threat to that model. And so there's a class action lawsuit in California where the lawyers are suing us and they're saying, we're suing you because you're unauthorized practice of law, practicing law without a license. Our response to that is due in a week. And I think we have pretty good responses because giving people documents to help themselves with Comcast is not practicing law. And so we're looking forward to defeating that.
2: But you did have, if I remember correctly recently, You were asking if people would be willing to use the app in court, right? So like the app would hear what's happening and then give some sort of suggestion as to what the person should say next, which I thought was super novel. Is it related to that at all as well?
0: Yes. So to give you more background, so seven years ago, Do Not Pay started as a template company where if this defense happened, if the signage was bad with your parking tickets, it would have a specific letter that it would use but what's really exciting with open ai and the chat gpt api which businesses like ours can use is that now we can use true ai to respond in real time to these disputes like with negotiating with comcast and so what we said is we want to actually bring our technology to the courtroom where someone has airpods on just like right now and the ai is whispering in their ear telling them what to say and that experiment really put a target on our backs We didn't really have any legal troubles before then because lawyers didn't really see us as a threat. But there's not a lawyer who will get out of bed for a $100 in-flight Wi-Fi dispute. But now when we started interfering with courtrooms, they thought, wait a minute, maybe we should start going after them.
2: Did anyone actually take you up on that and do it? Did anyone actually have the AirPod in and use Do Not Pay in the courtroom?
0: We were experimenting with it, but ultimately they scared us away. They actually <clears throat> got the government prosecutors to say, if you do it, we will give criminal charges against you. So we decided not to do that. And now we're at the tail end of that trying to defeat this lawsuit.
2: Okay. Do you think that in the future, this is where things are going, or is the law, the law regarding law? so specific and tight that having AI represent you or even just advise you in a court of law isn't something that you think we'll see?
0: All these lawyers creating rules to stop AI, is like the dinosaurs suing to stop the ice age. It's, it's, it's <laughs> inevitable. You can't stop human progress. And the majority of Americans can't afford legal help. I think the statistic is over 80% of those who need legal help can't afford it. And so, of course, everyone will ultimately be using technology to help themselves. They might be able to slow it down for six months or a year or maybe even three years, but you can't stop progress. I mean, that's fair.
1: So obviously, AI has taken a, it's taken a lot of headline space recently, but AI is not, not new, but the new use case of AI here. So with OpenAI, ChatGPT3, ChatGPT4, so first, how has that changed, fundamentally changed your business? And then I want to ask your opinions on AI, both sort of pro and against from kind of the the general arguments you hear
0: about AI all the time. It's a lot of questions. The biggest thing it's changed is it's allowed us to go back and forth with these companies and governments. So when we started, you would send a single letter and you would either win or you would lose. But now a dispute, you can almost have a conversation. So if they say something back, you can respond to them with our system. And a big company might let $50 go, or a government might let a $100 parking ticket go with just a letter. But to really tackle these big disputes, you need to have a back and forth. So for us, it's really increased the value of the disputes that we can pursue. So one of the things we launched a few weeks ago was AI medical bill negotiation. So this is instead of fighting a $100 in-flight Wi-Fi we can now fight a $10,000 medical bill with AI going through, identifying errors, generating a letter and responding when the hospital responds. And so I think it's a really exciting time in helping people fight back.
2: So like, I might go into chat GPT or another, you know, one of their competitors and, and just ask it for some information about something historical, something fact, something that has happened, something factual and not doing creative writing. And sometimes it'll hallucinate and just come up with, its own facts that never happened. How does that play into this? If you're having a discussion, an AI discussion with, whether it's a hospital or regarding a parking ticket or whatever, have you found that the AI, I mean, if it was a person doing this, the person would be lying. And obviously the AI isn't isn't trying to lie and deceive, it's just it's just auto completing a sentence. Have you found a lot of that happening in these back and forths with companies where the AI might give uh, incorrect information that then in turn gives you a worse outcome than you would have wanted to see?
0: When we started building these systems, the AI would lie a lot. So to give you a concrete example with Comcast, to get people lower internet bills, it would say things like, I had three outages in the past 24 hours. and, And that sort of stuff wouldn't be true. And so, what we've had to do is we've had to build guardrails to make sure it always tells the truth. That can be in the prompt, as in what you're asking the AI to do. So we say stick to the facts. But we've actually also built other AIs that make sure it doesn't include irrelevant or untrue information. Chat GPT by itself is not a very good lawyer. It, it <laughs> makes up cases. It hallucinates. It does all these things. But what it is good at is if you feed it maybe a hundred documents and you say, based on these hundred documents, write an argument to get someone out of an internet bill, then it is very focused. So chat GPT is almost a good freshman college student, but we have to send it to law school to get it over the edge.
2: Okay. And it sounds like, so you're not just relying on, you know, open AI, like you actually have built your own AI systems as well.
0: That's right. And the best thing about the law is that there are all these cases right now saying that AI stole the artist thing and the training data. But with the law specifically, all court records are public. It's the First Amendment. And so it's the best training data for any AI. And that's why I think this is going to be the first big use case.
1: I wanted to ask you, Josh, as a you're obviously an expert on AI, whereas Andrew and myself are, let's say, active observers, I think, on it. But I I was doing some research before our our conversation today, and I came across an article from the World Economic Forum. And This is old. This is from 2016. They were asking some ethical questions about AI. And this isn't necessarily direct to anything at do not pay, just sort of questions in general about AI. But I did want to ask you, one of the questions that they had was about AI mistakes. Who would be responsible for AI mistakes? I think we're talking about low-risk things like help me with an essay or write a letter, the mistakes don't matter. But as AI is getting more advanced, AI starts doing more things, and those mistakes start to have consequences. Who is a responsible party for for AI errors, and in your your opinion?
0: I think the company who provides the AI is responsible. And I think this is the biggest tragedy with AI. It typically gets in the hands of the big corporations and the government first. So in my country, UK, it's already being used to give people speeding tickets in the U.S., I think that's borderline unconstitutional. But in the U.K., yeah. if you're driving too fast, not even just at a specific point, but if you get from one city to another city too quickly, the AI figures you were you speeding and actually gives you a ticket. In U.S., for sentencing recommendations, for judges, it's generated yeah. by software. And so I think you really have to be careful. And our job at Do Not Pay is to give power to the people to fight back against these biased yeah. systems.
1: And that's, that's actually a good transition. I want to ask, too, how do you think people in general and uh, developers and people that are using these tools can fight AI bias, which sounds ridiculous, but the code is done by humans. There were some issues where software is used to predict future criminals, and they were showing bias against some certain nationalities. How can we create a level playing field or just based on the nature of AI, are they eventually going to, is there going to be bias inherent in them just like there are in people?
0: I think that the best thing about AI is that it can't be biased if it doesn't have the information to be biased about. So, what I mean by that is, you don't need to tell the AI what gender the person is fighting the ticket or what gender someone wants to lower their bill. It doesn't even have to have that information. And so, what we try and do is we try and exclude any information that's not relevant to the case. It's just about the sign with the parking ticket and things like that. And that's how I think. People can prevent
2: bias. Go back to the ethics real quick for who's responsible. I want to get a alternative take. So obviously AI, there's AI can mean a lot of different things. One AI that we've talked about a lot is self driving, self driving vehicles.
1: Yeah,
2: right. When it comes to AI mistakes and who's responsible, Joshua and John, I'm also curious what you think. Do you guys think that if the company is responsible, then a company that makes self driving vehicles? You put the car or the vehicle in self driving mode, gets in an accident and either damages property or hurts a person, that the person responsible for that or the the entity responsible for that should be the maker of the self driving software as opposed to the human who is
1: in the car. I mean, you gotta assume the first time that gets to uh, higher courts, that's going all the way to Supreme Court and then we'll get oh, it for sure. <laughs> but what do you think? What's your opinion?
0: I think this is not a new question. You could say the th- yeah. same thing about telephones. There's these robocallers that call 10,000 people every day, and we actually sue a few of them. And is it the telephone companies that are responsible, or is it the people actually using the technology for bad? And the, it can, sometimes it can be both. Sometimes it can be like 75% one person and 25% the other. It depends on who's making the mistake and also what the intentions of everyone are.
1: I think that's fair. I think when I try to talk about AI with people, this is a topic that I come across regularly. Everybody always kind of goes back to Terminator. What happens if they go back? <laughs> you know, what happens if you try to take over? But, but, you know, the people always think you can just pull a plug and the AI is shut down, right? Mm. Oh, AI has gone bad. Just pull the plug. That's obviously not true. But I think, th- I think what people are asking, they don't necessarily know what they're asking is, how do we stay in control of a like complex intelligence system? Like, how are we the ones in control? Or are we ultimately just not going to be controlled? Like a child, you birth it into the world, you hope for the best.
0: It seems like every three weeks, the AI is making years of progress. So like the, the yeah. past, past yeah. few weeks, the big development was this auto GPT stuff. Yeah. So yeah. It, th- these are bots that can go on websites and do clicking, which is, which is very useful for us, actually. And when we were deploying it, we were actually very worried. What if it goes crazy? And so you really do have to build these guardrails, but I don't know how long the guardrails will last. It's interesting that OpenAI itself hasn't launched an auto-GPT type thing. It's been the open source community. And I think that's where things will get dangerous. These big companies know how to create limitations, but the open source hackers, they don't really think about ethics or consequences. They just roll with the technology.
1: Yeah, I think that's... Fair. How do we stay in front of that? How do we combat that? Or is that more of a, a governmental? Can we combat it? Yeah, it's a governmental question. Long term.
0: You can't rely on the government because we live in a global internet and things like that. And maybe in the US, they'll stop it. But then in China or Europe, they'll keep it going. I think the solution is actually more AI. So we're going to have AI that tells us whether this image is real or not. And so it's an arms race between the good and the bad, and hopefully the good win.
1: I mean, that's uh, you know, it's a question of who's going to watch the watchers. Well, the watchers' watchers are going to watch the watchers. But, you know, who's going to watch the watchers watching the watchers? That leads me to
2: another question. I was watching your Twitter account recently. I've just been observing some of the upcoming, the chat GPT plugin that you guys are working on. So basically... Yeah. ChatGPT is gonna be launching uh, several plugins that add functionality from different services. Like, uh, I think like DoorDash, for example, you can use ChatGPT. What should I eat tonight? Here's what I'm feeling. What restaurants are open? Okay, order this for me. Right in the ChatGPT conversation. But one of the plugins that's coming is a Do Not Pay plugin, where you can have this conversation within ChatGPT using Do Not Pay, and Do Not Pay will take actions on your behalf. So talking about who's watching the watcher and the watcher's watching the watcher and all that, one example you gave, and I want to get into a few of them, but one of them that I saw, I thought was super interesting, was trolling spammers. So if you're getting spam in your mail, someone trying to trick you into giving them money or whatever it might be, you can forward this message to do not pay. And do not pay will then, well, you have a few options, right? You can just give them a little spam back or you can engage in an endless conversation back and forth (laughs) where it's actually do not pay engaging in an endless conversation with the spammer and you're just kind of left out of it. You're just annoying the spammer, right? Yeah. First of all, what was the inspiration for this before I get into uh, my next question?
0: The inspiration was a public service For every minute that the spammer is wasting chatting with an AI, they're not spamming other people. And no one likes to receive spam emails, texts, and all of this stuff. And so you can pay it forward without having to do anything and waste their time.
2: Okay, so first question, how long before it's just spammers also using AI and then it's just AI having a conversation with another AI and no human is even involved here? It's just almost for no reason going back and forth.
0: We've already seen this. So the spammers are using AI, we're using AI, and the AIs are just talking to each other, wasting each other's time. Even in those cases, though, we're wasting the scammers' money because we are Mm. uh, burning their computer systems. We don't charge our consumers for the emails. And so it's just about wasting their resources.
2: Okay. And then another one I saw, I saw a developer respond to that tweet. I think they might've quote tweeted it. I wasn't sure if you saw this, but basically they make software. They sent an email, I think it was like an autoresponder to someone that sent in a question about their pricing. Basically the long story short is the person who emailed the developer just didn't like how expensive the software was and they didn't want to pay. They thought it should be free. And they forwarded it over to do not pay, which started the endless cycle of spam. And the developer was like, I'm a legit developer. I'm not a spammer. This person just doesn't like how much I charge for my software, but I think it's a yeah. fair price. How do you avoid that? Like, do you guys have the resources to look and see? Like, could I just like, if I'm like jilted by a former friend or former lover, just insert their email here and just have start annoying anybody. Cause I know you really mean it for spammers in particular.
0: So it will only send a single email. And then if they respond back, then it will continue the conversation. Mm. But it's, it's not going to... So send if there's no one. response,
2: then that's it. Yeah,
0: that's it. I mean, this is like people getting upset with review websites because someone left a bad review. I'm sorry that someone thought their marketing email was annoying, but we stand by our customers. And we won't back down or be bullied just because someone's upset with our customers using our tools. And anyone who's upset should perhaps consider why the email was reported as spam by a real user in the first place. But I haven't seen this specific case, so I'm not commenting on, on them specifically.
1: Joshua, what are people using Do Not Pay For the most? What are you seeing the, the best use case, uh, the most popular use case for the service?
0: The biggest is refunds. So these big companies have business model of concentrated benefit, but spread out harm. Like your cable company can give people a $10 late fee, they give... 10 million people, a $10 late fee, they make a hundred million, but the average person can't fight back over $10. And so that's, that's yeah. what we're seeing our software being used for.
1: Is there ever an instance where the real people have to get involved or the AI handles everything?
0: So we specialize in disputes below $10,000. We have multiple levels of escalation. So the first is it will send an aggressive legal letter to the company. The second is it involves like third parties, like your credit card company to get the refund. And then if that fails, then a real human has to go to small claims court and it gives you a script yeah. of what to read, but the human has to read it and participate in that process.
1: It's incredible. I mean, that's like having a, I mean, a 500 pound gorilla in your corner, you know, when you're competing against these, or fighting against these large entities with, with endless legal budgets. As somebody who's fought many lawsuits and has been involved <laughs> in, in more legal proceedings than I am kind <laughs> of care to share, tools like this are invaluable. Even just getting information from an attorney, the yes or no answer, you're getting charged by a quarter of an hour. I mean, that's a 15-minute answer. So There's real, real value
0: here. I think so too, but I'm biased. Even responding to lawsuits, one of the things we're working on is if someone is sued in a debt collection lawsuit, generating the response automatically. Because if you don't respond in sometimes 21 days, you lose by default. So just these sorts of things to give power back.
1: So. Josh, you mentioned uh, AI is sort of getting years advanced every few weeks. How do you see services like Do Not Pay changing over the next few years? I mean, as as ChatGTP three and four and all the open services start to sort of offer more resources and things just get smarter.
0: So we're completely redesigning and redeveloping Do Not Pay to match this AI era because I think consumer expectations are rapidly increasing. So we're launching Do Not Pay Chat powered by the Chat GPT API where you can just say to it, I got this spam text message and it just goes in the background and gets you money and things like that. And, and you were mentioning earlier all this scrolling you were doing to pick a product that won't exist anymore. It will just be you tell it what you want and it will get it done. And it can even be something as simple as find me some money today and it will go on like state websites to find unclaimed money that the government has in your name.
2: For example, that's Yeah, crazy. I want to I go back to that real quick. So another thing, another tweet you, you were showing was using the AI to cancel a gym membership. And what you said was it immediately drafted a legal notice to cancel. It e-signed it, connected with USPS to mail it, all without leaving the conversation. And again, all through just the chat GPT interface. I just want to know more about this. Like, obviously you're not sharing, or I'm assuming you haven't shared every single thing, every single use case that the plugin's going to do. But even something like that, like canceling a gym membership is known, is is kind of notorious for being virtually impossible. John mentioned earlier canceling timeshares, which there was just a, last week tonight, John Oliver did a segment on this, I think two weeks ago, where it was like how insanely hard it is to do. Is it really as simple as just, putting a few sentences into ChatGPT with do not pay integration?
0: Well, I mean, there are all these rights that people have that you can cancel any timeshare within five days, things like that. One of the most exciting use cases is deleting data online from data brokers. So this is actually where ChatGPT plugins were working together, where there's a ChatGPT browsing plugin from OpenAI. And I asked it, find all the areas where my data exists And then the Do Not Pay plugin, once it found it, delete the data from these services. And so you're going to have these AI tools working together and passing like workloads. It can't do everything, but these very simple things, it it can certainly do. Anything that people are paying lawyers $1,000 an hour for, it can be helpful with. And I think in that TV segment, it said that even the lawyers charging $5,000 to cancel a timeshare, they were just drafting a letter to do that. And even they were scam artists so it's it's all one right. big expensive kind of exploitation
2: what other industries or areas do you think could benefit from similar ai driven assistance either through do not pay or just companies that focus on completely different areas
0: i think accounting is going to be driven by ai all of these obscure tax forms one of my friends is working on a company to do that law of course research AI will be able to generate like five-page research reports instantly. All of this typing at a desk. But I don't think entertainment will ever be replaced by AI.
1: Hmm. So what so concept of the, the future and what's going to be replacing? Obviously, the job fields are going to change employments are going to change. But what roles do you see AI taking on in the, in the workforce, if, if any?
0: So it'll be two different areas. In some areas, it will replace humans completely. So, imagine. Instead of having a designer do not pay, could just have the AI generate our designs and it will look very good. But in other areas, humans and AI will work together and the human will be like 10 humans. And that's also exciting. I think a lot of people will have to adapt. There's a lot of fear right now. We actually were interviewing an engineer only three weeks ago and they didn't know what ChatGPT was. And so we decided not to make an offer. And he he even said he was passionate about machine learning and things like that. But I think (laughs) people have to really stay up with the times.
2: For sure. I want to ask you a couple of questions kind of outside of do not pay, but more focus on you. You're obviously, you said you started this when you were in college. So obviously you're a pretty young guy, even now, several years later. What inspired your passion for technology and entrepreneurship particular?
0: I think the best thing about technology is you don't need anyone's permission to build anything. If you work for a big company, it takes maybe 20 years to work your way up to the corporate ladder to make big decisions. But with technology, you can decide to create something and then 12 hours later it can be built. And especially today with the AI era, with the chat GPT writing code for you, maybe it takes one hour now. And so I really liked, as you can tell, I'm probably anti-authority. So just giving power to the people and being able to do what you want without anyone's permission. And that's why I started creating iPhone apps at the beginning.
2: Have you always been that way or is it do not pay kind of brought you to this mindset?
0: No, I was always this way. My first kind of commercial iPhone app. There's a a famous sandwich chain in the UK called Pratamange. I think they have a few chains in New York as well. And I just created the Pratamange iPhone app in the UK without any copyright permission or anything like that. And the legal department were trying to get it shut down until they realized it was actually just a 15-year-old doing it. And then they backed off of it. So I was always fighting back from the beginning.
2: And then before we get into the more general tech topics, I love talking to other entrepreneurs and learning. Who are your role models or influencers in the tech industry?
0: I was very fortunate. I met Warren Buffett, actually, when I was starting Do Not Pay. And I asked him what was one time that he fought back against authority. And he told me the story of, I think, maybe 60 years ago, almost, where he sued a company in small claims court as Harper's Magazine, which still exists today, because they weren't canceling a subscription and still sending in bills. And that's actually what made me realize to expand to that specific use case, canceling subscriptions. And so I think you can learn, one can learn anything from just chatting with these people and seeing what they have to say, because they're a lot older than me, but I am getting old myself.
1: (laughs) So Josh, let me ask you some general tech questions to help us get to know you. We talk a lot about general technology here, Android, iPhones, for the new consumer products that are coming. First of all, what phone is in your pocket? What phone do you use?
0: The most recent iPhone.
1: And are you, have you always been uh, been an iPhone guy? Have you dabbled in the Android side?
0: I went straight from BlackBerry to iPhone. I miss the BlackBerry, but I'm not an Android guy.
1: <laughs> That's fair. And Andrew, I wanted to ask you if you saw the news that came out today which is like a slew of information on next-gen iPhones as well as next-gen software uh, at WWDC. No, I I missed
2: today. anything that came out today. I probably missed it because I was studying for this. So what what came out? All right.
1: So I'm just going to, I'll give you the highlights of everything. Let's do it. Uh, iPhone 15 and 15 plus rumored to feature frosted glass backs like the pro models. Okay. Nothing too exciting. I know you and Sam got way too excited over home buttons, but it does (laughs) appear that uh, the home buttons will remain, but an action button will be. Instead of a profile switcher. Yes. So that was something. Apple savings was announced today. I did see that. 4.15% with Goldman Sachs. And no surprise, not a bad rate of return. I'm looking at my Chase savings, I'm getting 0.05% on. So oh. probably should look to, <laughs> to make some move there. iOS 17 to support side loading to comply with European regulations. That's uh, is, interesting a pretty giant juicy story. I don't know what that's going to do for Apple's privacy and security concerns. Joshua, any thoughts on third-party app stores on iOS?
0: We really don't like Apple. We have an iPhone app. We've been fighting with them for years. And so I think Apple out of all the tech companies is the most evil. Maybe you guys disagree with that. (laughs) Um, But you're going to see so many creative apps, like there'll be an OnlyFans app. There'll be all of these apps that Apple would never allow. And maybe we'll have an unofficial do not pay app that does the more controversial stuff as well. So I think it will be good for innovation.
1: What about security and privacy?
0: The iPhone is built so that all the apps are sandboxed. I don't think it's going to cause a security concern. In terms of privacy, it's it's not too different from using a web browser. These big companies like to scaremonger people into conveniently paying them 30%. And I think people are good at taking their own decisions.
2: Fair answer. I have a question. So usually when I meet someone who thinks Apple is evil, whether it's from a developer side or just a user side, they are not carrying an iPhone in their pocket. So explain, explain how uh, you have, you hold that belief, but still carry an iPhone and use a Mac.
0: I have to put two hats on. I have to put the small developer hat on and then the consumer hat on. As the consumer, it's it's a really great product. But as a developer, it's clear that they write their policies in a way that's an evil monopoly. (laughs) And the way they change it, they really care about maximizing their own profits. And I've been squeezed. My friends have been squeezed. If you look at OpenAI, I don't think Apple will actually let some of the AI transactions go through on ChatGPT when they have an iPhone app. I think that's actually one of the biggest limiting factors to AI, and ChatGPT as an iPhone app, Apple aren't going to let you subscribe to ChatGPT without paying them. They're not letting you mm. pay Twitter creators without them taking their own cut. So they're just trying to extract yeah. the tax. Interesting. I have
1: more news, but I, Josh, I do want to ask you. So, someone who's going to sign up for Do Not Pay, I'm going to sign up right now. I have to give my email address or phone number. And then after that, I have to link a bank account or credit card. I imagine those things give people a bit of pause. Can you kind of explain that decision and what's happening there?
0: Yeah, so do not pay costs $18 a month, payable by bank account or credit card. Some companies, they work for their users. So with us, we work for our users because they pay us. Other companies like Facebook, the users are the product. When I started Do Not Pay, it just went viral. It was completely free. And so I was thinking about various business models. But I decided that we don't want to sell data and we don't want to sell targeted ads. And so the only other solution is have people pay us.
2: How easy is it to cancel or does someone need to use the Do Not Pay bot in order to cancel Do Not Pay?
0: It's very easy to cancel. It's just (laughs) settings and one click. People sometimes forget to cancel and then we refund them. We have to really be at a high level of kind of brand awareness with this because that's what we're fighting
1: right exactly (laughs) so andrew other news 2024 ipad pro model to get thinner hybrid oled nothing too exciting there but what the watch os 10 is being described as apple's biggest software update since 2015
2: which is when the original apple watch came out
1: correct don't know what that's going to entail but they are saying a major update with bigger enhancements including an updated interface I don't even know. Huh? Maybe not a honeycomb list of icons anymore. Maybe actual active widgets on there. Mac studio will not be a one off product. German confirmed new MacBooks will be announced in June. MacBook Air. Presumably the 15 inch MacBook MacBook
2: Air. Air. I know that you've been waiting
1: on that. Yep. And those were sort of the big, the big news and story for the day. And the MacBook Air should launch with an M2 instead of an M3 and should be a five nanometer and not Three, like the M3 is expected to be.
2: Which is the same processor. What's interesting is I also saw German say there'll be, so updated MacBook Air for 13 and 15. But what's weird is if you are updating the 13, but with the same M2, what, what's yeah. the update then? What's the update?
1: So I think I think, I think that's the question, right? Presumably it'll be some, a newer version of the M2, maybe an M2- Pro, I I don't know why they put the put that Pro in, in the there. Air. That's cool. Don't know, but yeah, there's certainly not an update from one to the other. Yeah, that's because that's the main
2: update nowadays. The main update with these machines, especially, it's going to be design. It's going to be the chip, and the design just changed a year ago. Last year's yeah. WWDC actually is when they announced the MacBook Air, so they're not changing the design. So if you're le- if you're using the same, I don't know, something's weird there.
1: If you're using Let the same you, chip. I have a 2021 14 inch MacBook Pro with the M1 Pro chip in it. Still a beast of a computer. Will I see any improvements whatsoever from an M1 Pro to a M2? Like, will will I see a a decrease in performance?
2: The M2 Pro, you will see. But if you went from M1 Pro to M2 non-Pro,
1: you will not. You will not. It's really just a a bigger screen. It's kind
2: of, the overlap is kind of, it's like one chip overlap, if that makes sense. So like... The M2 Max will kind of beat the M1 Ultra, but it won't. You know what I'm saying? Like the No, I get you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm still I'm still waiting for this Mac Pro though.
1: You're waiting for a while.
2: What's going on? Okay. What about headset? Is it is it all is it time? Is it finally time? You think it's gonna happen?
1: Still unconfirmed, but the prevailing theory is we will see the headset in June, but it certainly will not launch until later in the year, if not until next year. I wouldn't
2: expect it to launch, right? Because they need the developers to make apps for it. Yeah, agreed. Joshua, do not pay coming to an Apple headset?
0: Do you mean like the Apple goggles?
2: Yes, the Apple uh, virtual reality, the, the, the highly anticipated and rumored virtual reality goggles that we're assuming we're going to see on June 5th.
0: I, I told so my engineering please. team, we have to be ahead of this. The second the SD, a developer SDK comes out, we'll, we'll build something. We were thinking maybe like refund buttons hovering over everything you buy, things like that. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> or just put me in a courtroom, right? Like I don't I don't need to go to court. Bring my lawyer with me, my robo lawyer with me. Joshua,
1: thank you for joining us this week on Geared Up.
0: Thank you so much.
1: This was a lot of fun, Josh. This is an incredible perspective and one that was, was very much appreciated.
2: Let people know where they can find you, how they can sign up. Why, why should they sign up today after hearing this episode?
0: You can sign up on donotpay.com. I'm on Twitter at jbrowder1 or at do not pay. You should sign up because we have modes if you have a problem with these companies. But if you don't have a problem, we have modes that are evergreen and can find money and fight companies even if you didn't know you have a problem.
2: And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash john 4 Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up, that's two words, not one, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcasts, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at gearlive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.